Welcome to the workshop, Partners in Recovery. I'm a compulsive overeater and the moderator speaker for this session. And before we begin, please be sure all of your cell phones are turned off. And the workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, ask it basket questions, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil is going to be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speakers. And please specify whom your question is for. So the reading is from the big book on page 95, which says, You will be most successful with alcoholics compulsive overeaters if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic slash compulsive overeater from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked for you. Offer him fellowship and friendship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. If he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt some more. If he is sincerely interested and wants to see you again, ask him to read this book in the interval. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be punished or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the desire must come from within. And I'd like to add, when I opened up my book, I have only one other place that has a mark in it. And it happens to be from Dr. Bob's story, which has two really great things in it. And one of it is when Dr. Bob is talking about his first experience of speaking with Bill Wilson, he says, of far more importance was the fact that he was the first living human being with whom I had ever talked who knew what he was talking about in regard to alcoholism from actual experience. In other words, he talked my language. And then on the next page where he talks about the four reasons that he spends a lot of time working with others. One of them is a sense of duty. Two, it's a pleasure. Three, because in so doing, I am paying my debt to the man who took the time to pass it on to me. And, and four, he talks about its insurance for himself against a possible slip. And then he says, Unlike most of our crowd, I did not get over my craving for liquor much during the first two and a half years of abstinence, which is not so typical in my observation in AA as it is in OA. Um, it was almost always with me. I used to get terribly upset when I saw my friends drink and knew I could not, but I schooled myself to believe that though I once had the same privilege, I had abused it so frightfully that, that it was withdrawn. That's a tad off topic, but I love it so much. Um, because one of the things that I struggle with um, are overcoming feelings of deprivation. I really like that attitude. Anyway, um, this is a really big topic, uh, sponsorship. I'm not sure where to start. I'll qualify a little. Um, I came into program somewhere around September of 1978. I had first, my first experience in 12-step programs was I had made it to Alcoholics Anonymous in April of 1978. Yesterday, I celebrated 31 years of sobriety, um, which does me little good with my food. Uh, and and I, am, I am very humble. 
And uh, what I will say is this, that I think I have a great drunkalog, I'm a funny person, uh, and they never asked me to talk in AA. I could have been a star, but no. They asked me to talk in OA all the time, and I just feel so humbled. And I really had to get over the fact that I am just, just not good enough to talk here, just so you know. Uh, to me, somehow you were supposed to have lost 100 pounds and whatever it is. So uh, I suffer from that. But I do have a wide variety of I'll, I'll quickly qualify. I was not a fat kid. Uh, when I was in high school, I weighed 125 pounds. I'm five foot five. I thought that uh, life would be perfect if I could weigh 115 like I did in 10th grade, um, which in those days was actually not so common as it is now. It seemed like way back then people seemed more, there was more of what one might call normality than what I see now. All the girls think that. Um, and what happened? Uh, I got... I don't know how to tell this any other way, so I'll just try to make it quick. Um, I got married uh, when I was 17. I was like to say I married an older man. He was 18. Um, when I weighed 125 pounds, he told me he must not have noticed how fat I was when we first started dating uh, because he hated fat, and then I married him. How crazy is that? So when I – oh, God, this is the first time I've ever been taped, and I just remembered – oh, well – um, when I, when, when my daughter, my daughter was born, I, uh, you know, after that I couldn't lose the weight and I weighed 142 pounds and I was about 19 and I finally broke down and asked him why he never wanted to have sex with me and he said I was just too fat. And so then I went to the diet pill doctor. So I maintained my weight for about, um, several years on, oh, and then when I was 23, we separated and I started drinking alcoholically. So basically, I maintained my weight on what I like to call the um, amphetamine, alcohol, uh, nicotine, or smoking three packs of cigarettes a day by then, uh, caffeine maintenance program. And that went on until um, I got sober in 1978, flushed the diet pills, gained about 20 pounds in a month. And for me, that was a huge bottom. Uh, and then I, I came into OA, or I made it into OA around September, and um, I got to a goal weight, or a good weight, and then I quit smoking, and I gained like 38 pounds in six months. And for me, that was a really big deal. I was so self-obsessed. I was lucky I stayed sober. I did not want to even go to those meetings anymore because there were too many men there. They might look at me. Um, my physical recovery for me, I've never gotten to where I wanted to be yet. But what it's about for me, because I had to just stop and look at the positive things, and the, it, what it's about for me is that I am still keeping off 20 pounds from my top weight. I'm 62 years old. Uh, I did not gain weight during most of the years that so-called normal people are just naturally gaining weight. Um, and then there's this little thing about how I never got morbidly obese. I've been here 30 years, you know. Uh, I've seen people who dropped out. I've run into people. My, my very, very close friend died, and there were four or five people who came to her funeral who had gained 100 pounds since I had last seen them. And one of them said, damn her, she would have to die when I was fat. And we all laughed about it because this woman had a really funny sense of humor. But I have to remember that I didn't get there because I'm here. Also, that uh, in my life, you know, that I lived in my dream place of Seal Beach when I was in my 30s, and I spent the time with the curtains drawn and eating. And it makes me really sad. 
um, that that's what happened. And today, I'll just fast forward. I do not know how anybody gets from where I was to where I am. I have such a full life. Uh, It should be illegal. I never even want to talk about it because I'm afraid people will hate me. Uh, Just hate me now because, I mean, I'm living big. I can't, I'm retired. I'm married to a great guy. Uh, I travel all, and he has a lot of program and a lot of spirituality. I travel all the time. I am continuously um, challenging myself to do things that are a stretch. I took a stupid stand-up comedy class. I went to a club in Hollywood. I mean, I, I never wanted it. I just did it for, you know, I just do whatever I want. Uh, and it's awesome. And this is somebody that used to be in the house with the great strong. I have always had an OA sponsor. I have been an OA this entire time. Um, I left once for about six months because I had a theory that OA was causing me to be obsessed with food. <laughs> so what I found out that it wasn't OA that was causing me to be obsessed with food. So I've been here the whole rest of the time. Um, my first experience was about, um, I had a sponsor and they had a food plan and they showed you the food plan and they said, this is abstinence, this is recovery. It wasn't gray sheet by then, it was blue sheet. And the big whoop was you got a fruit at lunch. And um, I was 31 years old. I just come off of speed, still clinically depressed, but I didn't know that till later that that's what was happening. I was working a split shift uh, at a piano bar, um, and I looked at that and I said, I, I really can't do three meals a day with nothing in between. Um, if I could just have a floating milk, I could probably get by. And then, and then I was on this food plan. And then once in a while, it just would not be enough dinner for me. And I was pretty physically active. And I would call my sponsor and say, you know, I'm, I'm still hungry. And she said, I'll eat a banana. She was just exasperated with me. So I would have like a half a banana or a, or a whole banana. And one day the sponsor said to me, well, you've never been on real abstinence. Looking back, I think my abstinence is great. I don't think I'm quite that disciplined today. It was really a, a very good abstinence. And I had another experience, which I'm going to share, just because there is one thing I want to talk about in relationship to sponsorship. I had another sponsor who told me, I'm going to tell you exactly how to lose weight. And um, you can't ever eat a whole carrot because there are too many carbs and you have to have this and that and the other thing. And one day I was talking to her on the phone and she told me to read something in in the 12 and 12. And I said, well, I could do that tomorrow. I can't do it today because my friend had just come back from Seattle, suicidally depressed, and was crying because she didn't have 12 and 12. And I said, oh, here, take mine. I'll get another one. And the sponsor said to me, oh, Angie's well. Angie doesn't need her 12 and 12. Angie didn't give her 12 and 12 away. And I'm talking to this woman on the phone, and I'm just feeling so assaulted. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm paying long distance for her to say these things to me. And I want to share about that because of um, something that, you know, why do we come to Overeaters Anonymous? We're fat. We're miserable. We're sick. We need help. We're turning ourselves into this whatever it is because we've had it. Oh, that's my experience anyway. I can't do it, and I need help. And I'm coming in here, and I'm getting together with all of these other sick people. And, uh, you know, sometimes just because somebody has lost a lot of weight, we turn our will and our lives over to them. And it's not what sponsorship, to me, was meant to be. It's supposed to be, we're supposed to be just sharing our experience with others. Um, As my husband always says, we're supposed to be guiding people through the steps. That's what we're really supposed to be doing. 
Um, my experience has been um, that in OA, I have needed to call my sponsor a lot. In AA, I literally told someone, I said, you know, I, will you be my AA sponsor, but don't worry, I'll never call you. Because, you know, when anything goes wrong, I just want to eat, and I'll be talking to my OA sponsor. That's the way it is. I feel uh, I have a, an AA sponsor today who I call occasionally. She's a very wise lady, and I get some guidance from her. But I call my OA sponsor five days a week. Um, I talk to her all of the time. Um, she has been, she is the most patient, loving person. And I have prob- I, I have called her all this time. It was like right after I got married, so six and a half years. And I have seen her. I was trying to count how many times I've seen her. I've seen her six times. You know, she lives in the valley. I saw her. I met her at a retreat. I had... She came down and helped me with that when I did the ABCs of abstinence. She came down. We did step work one time. Most of it we've done on the phone. I went and heard her speak one time. And um, what is she to me? She's a loving witness to my recovery. She's a guide. Um, she was so patient with me when I struggled with surrender. And I need to work with someone else about the food all of the time, and sometimes it's about other stuff. But she always says sort of annoying food things to me. I, I'll, I'll say, well, you know, I was just extra hungry. And she'll say, well, what was going on? And I always want to say, well, uh, doesn't matter what's going on because we could either choose to eat over it or not. But the truth is there's usually something happening that made me extra hungry. And I don't know, and this is why I have a food plan, this is why I weigh and measure, because otherwise I just think I was suddenly hungry. But if I'm eating pretty much the same kinds of food, the same kind of amounts every day, and suddenly I'm extra hungry, unless I just took, you know, a 10-mile hike, there's usually some other thing going on. And it's humiliating to me, because it could be something really simple, like I didn't want to clean the house. I mean, this is rumpy dump stuff. But, you know, it just, it's whatever. And do I need a reason to eat? No. You know? And then I would always say, well, you would, uh, if somebody was, um, you know, drinking, they come in, they quit drinking, and you'll find out soon enough what it's about. But alcoholics don't need reasons to drink. You drink because rooms have walls. I think in the 12, I mean, really. Uh, in the 12 and 12, I think it says, it says something like, uh, because we lost a piece or we won a war, or whatever they say about it. You don't really need a reason. Um, so that, and, and the other thing is that in order for me, okay, I've seen a lot of people, and some in OA, come in and take that picture that they show you of abstinence and, and um, stick with it and be successful and have good surrender and stay there. I haven't seen a lot of those people. I mean, but there are, I envy that. That's what I wanted. I don't have that story. My story is I had to just really keep working at it. I might have had something like that for a while, but I wasn't able to keep it that way. And so um, I really got a lot out of when they did the ABCs of abstinence, and I really worked, and I went to it several times. I hosted a couple of them. And I worked a lot on a one-on-one basis with a a sponsor about what needs to be my abstinence. What is it that I abstain from no matter what? 
and I so respect that it's individual. Um, my sponsor has about two things on her abstinence, and one of them is popcorn. She abstains from popcorn no matter what. Now, my me email address is Angie Popcorn. <laughs> on good days, I eat popcorn almost every day. Every night, I eat a big bag of 94% fat-free popcorn. I don't eat chips, I don't eat crackers. I abstain from a whole lot of stuff. But somehow, I enjoy that, and it doesn't seem to bother me, and I so appreciate that I was able to find what works for me, and I couldn't do that unless I was working one-on-one -on -one with a sponsor. Now, in terms of me sponsoring other people, you already know that I'm not good enough, but, you know, they're crazy enough to ask. So that's what I first told myself when they would ask me to Well, you know, they know my story. If they're dumb enough to ask me to talk, they deserve whatever they get. So, um, and I had to tell myself in a way that I had, I asked myself what of my experience would benefit anybody. And then, then I would give myself a topic. Because I have really good experience in certain areas. I could talk about relationships really good. I have a good sex talk. And a body image. I could, so I'd give myself a topic like that and then I would talk. And then it would, you know, it would help me a lot. Um, I have a woman who's been calling me for a really long time, who is much thinner than I am, has a great body, um, I think has better abstinence, more discipline. Why did she pick me? I don't know. It's not my job. I'm just available, and I'm available to help, and I'm available to be a witness, and I will gently give feedback. I don't, but it's so bizarre when you're working with others because there are times when I will, my style is not to tell people what to do, and it's not to be directive. It's not. But every once in a while, I'll say something. It's not like I think I'm channeling God or something, but I kind of am because it wasn't me. You know, there was a, it, it just happens when you're working. There was a woman one time, years and years ago in an, AA, in an OA meeting talking about her drunk driving arrest and all this stuff, and I'm thinking, boy, Sadie, you are in the wrong meeting. And I actually, and this is not me, walked up to this meeting, woman after the meeting and said the things those crusty old-timers said. I said, honey, you better get your ass to an AA meeting. And she looks at me like, well, what would my father say? Does your father know you had all these drunk drivings? Yeah. God forbid he should know you went for help. <laughs> it's just not me. And I, I found myself, I was doing some step work with someone, and I just prayed and prayed and prayed. Um, because it's not about our stuff. I had a really hard time one time with a woman who, um, I just have to tell you, I hated her husband. He reminded me of the one who told me I was fat. And I just prayed and prayed and prayed. Because that's not my life. That's not up to me. And fortunately, she left me when I went on vacation one time because she liked the person she hooked up with after. And I just said, oh, thank you, God. Um, she was a wonderful lady. Um, what was I going to say? Okay, so I, and, and I believe, like, I need a time to call my sponsor. I call her at the same time every day, and I believe that when I'm sponsoring, that we need to talk to people. I don't commit my food. What I do is I call in, and um, I, follow a, uh, I, I follow a Weight Watchers food plan. It's just a tool, and I abstain from my binge foods. So sometimes I can call my sponsor and say, my food, my food was, it was okay, 22 points. And she said, oh, that's not bad. She knows enough now to know like what that's like, that I wish I was eating 18, but 22 is pretty good. And when you don't have a count, then that's when you have a problem. I have no idea. It could have been 50. Then, then that was a bad day. Um, or I've, you know, eaten my points into, the, into about uh, next June. Or whatever. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so that's just a tool because I, I, need, I need a guideline. So what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so I feel like in order for me to sponsor someone, I need a time when they could call me because they need to check in. Well, a lot of people are not consistent. And so then it messes me up, and it's using – I need to be sponsoring people. I need to be working with others. And I can only take so, so many, so I don't say that I'm available um, as a sponsor because I don't have that time. Uh, that I could give because I tried I, I like to get it over in the morning I tried having people call me in the afternoon and it, it just doesn't work for me because I'm all over the place I'm I'm you know I'm a busy person I don't know where I ever found time to work um, so it occurred to me that I could still do step work with people and so I started saying you know I'm available for step work and that has worked really good um, but sometimes people, like I said, I'm not a directed person, but sometimes they just push you. They push you to it. I remember telling somebody at one point, like, well, I think we're having some kind of big problem. I have never had anybody argue with me the way that you have about seemingly insignificant things. And, and then I started, um, uh, thank you, suggesting, and I don't, that this is where God gave me the suggestions about this set-aside prayer. I go to this super intense um, big book study for all 12-step programs. This is the third time I've done one. And this prayer says, um, Dear God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about the 12 steps, my brokenness, and especially you, God, for a new understanding or a new experience with the 12 steps and, you know, blah, 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 especially you, God. And just really, you know, pray for all these people and... Just, but I, uh, and, and to just pray to get open so that we can work and we can have that healing. Um, and it's different with each person I work with. Um, I'll listen to what, where we are now and I, you know, God tells me something different with, with each person. I work best with, um, people that have been in program for a long time and struggle because we, we take a place where you have to start somewhere and build on that. Um, I feel like I'm able to carry the message well with people in other 12-step programs who maybe tried OA and came in and said, oh, I can't do that. Well, you don't have to do it that way. Let's see what you can do. Um, when I'm sponsoring someone with their food, I usually ask them, uh, what would it look like for you if you were feeling um, peace and recovery with your eating. How would that look? Because I don't want to impose my standards on people or, or what works for me. Um, and I do believe that people need some accountability. I've, I, I, I couldn't, I listened to somebody one time and she was so spiritual and she couldn't tell you what she ate and I tried to do that and I can't do it. And that's just me. But I'm just there to help. Um, and, and usually people solve their own problems. Because then they come back and tell you, well, you know, that didn't work. Okay. And I appreciate having a sponsor that let me do that because I had a new surrender last February where I decided that I needed to put more things on my no matter what list. And I have felt so much better since that. But it wasn't from someone, just like I said in the book, telling me what to do. It was from someone being available and making gentle suggestions through that process. And then she tells me... I've gotten more from working with you, and that's hard for me to imagine because I feel like it's all take, take, take. 
she listens and I talk and how I think it's supposed to go is the sponsor listens and we let people talk it out and until they're done and then we might have some observations or some guidelines or some suggestions. That's how I think it's supposed to work. What happened with me that one time was when I was the sponsor and I listened for a really long time and it came to me my turn the person started arguing with me. It was quite bizarre. So I've had a, um, a large variety of experiences but I have always been um, working with a sponsor and I've, I've gone to people for guidance. This is particularly important. I think this is probably the last thing I want to talk about. My sponsor has helped me so much in working with others. Like, I will call her and say, what do you do when? Because we're mentoring one another to pass this thing on. Because I have a certain idea of what people should be doing. And my sponsor told me, well, she said, when I was new in program, if someone told me that I needed to do more than go to one meeting a week, I wouldn't have been able to do it and I would have left. So I'm like, okay. So it's really helped me to um, loosen up about what is okay to be working with people. And that's all for me. And then I was very delighted to see that um, Susan, first of all, I do not like to start because I'm a closer, not an opener, um, because I have to get my mind uh, revved up. But I was very happy to see that um, one of our favorite, my favorite speakers is here with us. And when I found that out, I was glad to be first. And so the next speaker is Susan. Thank you. It was wonderful to hear you and see you. I'm Susan, compulsive overeater. Is this yours? No. Oh. How about that? I have a big book up here. Uh, well, when I was asked to speak, I said, sure. I generally feel like, just give me a topic. I can speak on it. been here uh, 23 years. Still, I wouldn't say I feel like a newcomer, but I don't feel like an old-timer at all because I have to keep working this program, you know. And uh, if I don't, food kicks my butt. And I have this idea that somehow a long-timer is different. <laughs> but I, I have been here a long time, and I still am, in fact, I have to work the program harder than, than I used to. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So then she gave me this, this topic, Partners in Recovery, and I thought, is that because I have a partner in recovery? I'm married to, to someone in program. I, I didn't understand <laughs> what it was. And I called, I asked, and they said, oh, it's a sponsorship thing. And then I thought about it and thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not the right one for this. And I emailed her and said, I, I'm not the right one for this. And she emailed back and said, you're the right one. <laughs> and I thought, oh, okay. And then I really thought more and more about it. I thought, no, I'm, I'm really not. And I love to speak. This is really unusual for me to decide I'm, I'm just going to go sit and listen and, and not speak. And I called her and said, I, I'm really not. And she said, well, you can replace yourself if you want. So I called three people who I thought would um, give great experience, strength, and hope, and uh, none of them were available. And I thought, okay, I get it. I'll go do this. <laughs> and it does, it does seem very challenging to me because... In some ways, sponsorship is, is still, I'm, I'm in the middle of changing how I sponsor and how I am sponsored. And I would rather speak at the podium from a place of knowing than from a place of unknowing. And I'm sort of in the unknowing place right now. I called my sponsor and she said, Susan, people need to hear that 23 years later, <laughs> you can still be struggling with this stuff. So I'm just going to talk about my uh, being sponsored and sponsoring story. Um, when I got here 23 years ago, I, I was over 200 pounds, and I don't know how much over 200 pounds I stopped weighing because I couldn't do 
anything about it. And I just decided, well, if I can't do anything about it, I'm just not going to look. And so I, I don't know exactly how much I've lost. When I got here, I lost uh, quite a bit of weight and became what I call normal size, and that meant that I didn't have to go into the large women clothing stores. And I stayed there for quite a long time in program with some ups and downs. And um, about three years ago, I lost the I lost more weight. And the reason I bring that up is number one, it, I think it's important for people to hear that it can take some of us a very long time. I didn't leave until the miracle happened, and being normal sized was miraculous for me. And um, I experienced some judgment about that in these rooms, and I had to know in me what was abstaining for me. So for me, I was abstaining from lethal eating. I was abstaining from the from the overeating that was going to kill me. And now I am abstaining from non-lethal overeating, just overeating in, in general. It, it, it took me a long time to get there. If I could have done it any sooner, I would have. So what has happened is um, my nervous system has changed. I and My sponsor used to say that I could sell ice to an Eskimo when I was overeating, or I could sell an igloo to an Eskimo when I was overeating. In other words, I could be superwoman when I was overeating. And um, I, I can't do that when I'm not overeating. I have a very sensitive nervous system. Uh, um, sugar in particular coats my nerves. And, you know, it's an, uh, an, it's an anesthetic for me. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm not overeating, I'm not using. And that means I have, to, I have to honor my nervous system. And this particular nervous system can't handle a whole lot. Um, that's not true. I, I actually am very busy and handle more than most people around me, but it can't handle what I think it should be able to handle. Um, and, it's, and so I'm g- generally swimming upstream in a world that is going faster and faster and speeding up and more and more and more. I'm trying to go slower and slower and do less, less, less because that's what my nervous system demands. And if I, uh, I use food to power up, you know, and I'm, I'm not willing to do that anymore. So that meant that how I sponsored changed, and it also meant that how I was being sponsored changed. So I'll uh, go back a little bit. When I first got here, I knew that I was an addict. I had tried everything there was. I tried every diet there was. I tried every non-diet there was. I tried every sophisticated program there was. I had all the self-knowledge in the world. I knew what I was feeling when. None of it stopped me from overeating, just like there's a room have walls. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, I knew when I got here that I was an addict, and I knew that if I'm an addict, the place to go is treatment or 12-step programs, and my insurance didn't pay for treatment, so I came here. And I was, at that point, willing to do whatever you told me to do. So at my first meeting, I remember her so well. Her name was Judy, and uh, I don't know if she's still around. I haven't seen her. This is in Orange County. She came up to me. I was going to say, like we do. I hope we we still do that. Uh, she came up to me after the meeting, welcomed me, talked to me about program, suggested I get a sponsor, told me what a sponsor was, and gave me the, the We Care sheet. And I went home and called a whole bunch of people. This was in a time of answering machines, and left a whole bunch of uh, messages on answering machines, like 10. And didn't hear from anyone for a day or two. Pissed me off. And then um, I heard from someone who said she couldn't sponsor me, but she had the names and numbers of people who might be able to sponsor me. So I called like seven or eight or nine more answering machines and left messages 
um, which I found kind of discouraging, and I, I continue to find that discouraging to this day. Um, the people that I sponsor, I insist that they sponsor. If everyone who gets sponsored, sponsored, we'd have enough sponsors. So I'm giving of my time. They need to give of their time too. Someone's giving me their time. That means I need to give my time to someone. Um, I I often feel like I'm just sort of um, using up my sponsor, but that's that's what she has volunteered to do, and that's what I do. You know, and a lot of times they want to ask me about me, and it's like, eh, let's get to you. <laughs> if we have time to talk about me, fine, but this is about you. So that when I get to my sponsor, I don't, I, you know, it's like, okay, this is about me now. This is what I, this is what you volunteered for, and I'm I'm okay with that. And that's hard work, you know, because I'm a people pleaser, and, and it needs to be equal. And no, it doesn't need to be because that's evening out for me in my relationships with the people I sponsor. So. Um, I was in the middle of a binge, and someone called me and said that she was available to sponsor me. And I told her. I said, I'm, I'm in the middle of a box of seeds right now. And she said, well, what do you want to do about that? And I said, well, what do you mean, what do I want to do about that? And <laughs> she asked me, well, what's going to be the end result of eating that box of seeds? And I thought about it, and I told her. Said it, and when I'm done, I'm going to go out and get some more stuff. It's going to be the middle of the night. I'm going to go from one place to another. And then I'm going to come home and eat some more until all I can do is lay on the couch and drink water. And she asked me if that's what I wanted to happen. And I said no. And she asked, what now, what do you want to do about that? I understood. I said, okay, I'll throw it away. And she said, how about the garbage disposal? So I realized, whoa, these people really know who I am. <laughs> I'm, I've been in the garbage before. You know, uh, and I've heard people say, why would I care what you people think about me? You're people who've been through the garbage, just, just like me. And, a, and another sponsor told me, um, this, is not the, this is not the place to look good. There are other clubs for that. There are other places to go to look good. This isn't it. Um, and, and I think that we can get caught up in looking good and in performing and especially in you know, physically how we look. And uh, so I I was willing to do whatever she told me to do. And in my opinion, she told me to do a bunch of dumb stuff, like uh, make up a higher power, write a want ad for a higher power. It's like, you got to be kidding me. And I did, and then I prayed to the higher power that I didn't believe in. And um, for years and years and years, my sponsor told me dumb stuff. <laughs> It always worked. Eventually, when she started telling me dumb stuff, I started thinking, okay, I, I think this is dumb, but I know it's not. I know it's going to work because it, it always did. So my first, I, I didn't even know who my first sponsor was. She was a voice on the phone, and I did what she told me to do. And when we got to step six and seven, um, she suggested that I not take those very seriously, that there were only two paragraphs devoted to them in the big book, and it was a bunch of sex addicts who wrote those steps anyway and that I should uh, just move on to step nine where the promises are. So that's what I did. But something in me intuited that that wasn't right. And there was a gal in my home meetings who I just loved, and they told me to ask someone who has what I want. And she was full, and I asked and asked and asked. And at the time, what that meant was she was beautiful, she was thin, she was vivacious, and she was smart. So I, um, I asked and asked and asked, and she finally relented just out of... Um, being flattered <laughs> and uh, she was really important to me she sponsored me for probably a little over a year um, and really what she became was sort of a pseudo mother which happens a lot in the sponsor relationship I think 
Um, a lot of mother issues come up, and I, I hope to get time to talk about that today. Um, eventually, she went into relapse, and I ended up sponsoring her. And uh, and I needed a new sponsor, so I looked around to someone who had what I wanted, and I asked her, and she sponsored me for 22 years. She's the one who told me all those stupid things <laughs> to do all the time. And what she taught me was, and she did mommy me. She absolutely mommied me. I grew up with her. Um, what she taught me was gentleness, compassion, self-care, and that uh, self-care was primary, that I could not take care of anyone else until I took care of me first. Uh, and that's a little confusing for me with the big book. I'm devoted to the big book. The big book is my design for living. It does really work in my life. And, you know, it says over and over and over again, we work with other compulsive overeaters. Um, and I don't know, in some ways I think we're a little different animal. And I, I um, yes, I do need to get out of myself. And in, But in order to truly get out of myself, I also have to be taking care of myself. So sponsorship has been a lot about learning how to take care of myself, and it's been a lot about learning how to be in relationship, which is really hard, which is why this topic scared me. Um, I'd rather talk about my partner in recovery, who's <laughs> my husband over there. So um, recently, oh, this is hilarious. So then, so then when I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to be, be speaking, I thought about it. I wrote some notes down. I looked in the big book. I looked up some stuff, and then um, I left all that at home this morning. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what's going on here, but we'll we'll see what God puts in my mouth. So, um, what's changed is I've had to set up new limits and boundaries with the people that I sponsor. So, um, their schedules changed. Mine didn't change very much, but their schedules changed. And I'm a late night person. I know a lot of people do the morning thing. It worked for me to talk to people after 10 o'clock at night. And a lot of us have problems after 10 o'clock at night, and those were the people that I was sponsoring. And then they got jobs where, you know, they had to go to bed at the time. Most people go to bed. And um, I was trying to work with that. And what I do is I just make appointments with them. What's the next time we're going to talk? What's the next time we're going to talk? And I kept I kept trying to work with their schedule, um, and it it just wasn't working. So I find, because this is what my sponsor 22 years taught me, I know how much I love myself by the commitments I make and am willing to keep. So I would make commitments, this is when we're going to talk next, and I wasn't able to keep them, which meant that I wasn't loving myself very well, and I was feeling bad about myself by not keeping my commitments. And that's my abstinence also, by the way. Um, I make commitments that I can keep, and I'm accountable for those commitments. So sometimes those commitments, uh, you know, at the beginning, it was three banquets a day. And that was more self-loving than what I was doing before I got here, because it was a banquet all day long. So, um, so now my commitments look really different, because I'm not overeating at at the at the non-lethal level. I'm just not overeating, and those commitments are much more self-loving than the original commitments that I was making. So I know how much I love myself by the commitments I make and am able to keep. And I teach my sponsees this also, and I wasn't keeping my commitments. Um, they expressed their disappointment and um, frustration with that. And I said, I understand, I understand. And finally I said, you know what, this isn't working. Um, I, I suggest you find someone who is available for you. You deserve that. 
she went into the whole mother thing. You know, she did some writing and she felt abandoned. I said, I'm not abandoning you. I'm here. In fact, we're going to have a better, stronger relationship because I am going to be available and I say I'm going to be available and you're going to have a bigger God squad. And um, she's still in the abandonment mode, but I know what I am modeling is appropriate limits and boundaries. And, uh, and I'm walking with this through her. You know, she keeps expecting me to abandon her. And sometimes I just think, oh, I wish these mother issues would just go away in these, in these sponsorship relationships. And then another gal that I sponsor, and by the way, I don't sponsor anyone I don't like. I don't think that that's fair to them. They don't deserve that. They deserve to be sponsored by someone they like. So um, I love all the people I sponsor. And uh, I originally said to her, I'm not very available. She wanted someone to talk to every day. And I said, that's not me. Uh, um, I, I know that a lot of people want to be sponsored that way, and I absolutely can't do that. So you'll need to find someone else. Well, she wanted me. So great. And then she proceeded to try to get me to be someone that would talk to her every day. <laughs> and, and she got pretty strong about it. And um, that's not me. That's not what works for me. And um, she eventually got to see, oh, I'm, and she made amends to me and said, I was trying to get you to be someone you said you're not. And, uh, I, you know, that's great to watch that and, and like Angie said, to, to witness that. So um, I'm, I'm in the middle of that, and I'm, flying, I'm asking God for guidance how I should sponsor, and I bless you. What I really think I do um, best is help people through the steps, and that's really what the book tells us a sponsor is. I'm not an automatic friend. I'm not a therapist. I'm not even a mom. Um, I am a person who has walked this path, and I don't give my opinions. I give my experience, strength, and hope. So a lot of times they'll uh, talk to me about things that I don't have any experience with, and I'll just say, you know what, I don't have experience with that. And my tendency is to want to say, well, if I were in that situation, I would. So, for instance, I have not been molested, and that's that's a big deal. Uh, I say, you need to find people who have who have been sexually abused and talk to them and find and get their experience, strength, and hope. Um, so recently I also got a new sponsor after 22 years. My sponsor of 22 years has this great big life, which we tend to do after we've been here for a while, and that's wonderful. You know, before I had a little tiny life and a big body, and now it's the other way around. And um, she was not very available. And... I have a tendency to go after what um, I've heard called turned backs, uh, uh, to go after people who just can't love me the way I want and need to be loved. So I was doing this. Uh, I wasn't trying to get her to be more available. I was settling for how available she was. And um, and so a number of things happened. I just realized, you know what? I need a new sponsor. And. That was really hard to do. I did some prayer and meditation, and a person popped into my head. Now, through the years, I had tried to sort of supplement her with other sponsors, and it was always very surprising to me that I had a hard time finding sponsors. People say no. That's fine. I say no to people. I can only handle three. I can't handle more than three. And like I said earlier, if we all sponsored, anyone who gets sponsored, sponsors, that's enough people if they sponsor three. You know, we don't have to have people sponsoring 10 and 15 People like some of you do, and God bless you that you have the time and the and the wherewithal to do that. So, um, oh, I forget where I was going with this. Does anyone remember? Oh, yeah. So I prayed and meditated. Oh, so I had been asking people 
to sponsor and, and they, they just weren't available. Now, mind you, I was being very selective. I wanted someone who'd been in program for a while. I wanted someone who um, who is ahead of me in the program. And um, I'd been blessed with a lot of willingness and, and work a program. So I needed somebody who was ahead of me in that. And... Um, and they said no. So I did some prayer and meditation when I realized I needed a new sponsor. And a, and a gal popped into my head. I thought, oh, yeah. Okay. And this was right before the OA birthday party last year. And I decided to go to the OA birthday party to find her. First room I went into, first person I saw, there she was. Asked her. And she said, oh, yes, absolutely. And she, sent, she wrote me a note and said, I'm very excited about this. Well, what's hilarious about it is that um, she is extremely available. And I, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> it is really hard for me to pick up the phone and call her. She's completely available. She's not working right now. And um, so I said, you know, I'm really low maintenance. I don't need, because I've been, I've been self-propelling myself through program for a while. And part of that is that I, I live with the program person. So I get that witnessing every day. But it is hard for me to take that in. It is hard for me to not have it turned back. And um, this is this is not the, a mommy sponsor, you know. This is a peer who is has been here a little longer and who is walking side by side with me. I don't even have my notes. <laughs> so um, the people that I sponsor, uh, they're each different. I don't have a specific way of sponsoring. I know some people we we do two paragraphs in the big book and we talk about it, and that's great. Um, I was in Howe for many years, and they have a very specific way of sponsoring, and I think that's great, too. And what I love about what they do is you get 15 minutes, and you tend to bottom line it, and you talk about the program, and you read the writing, and, and you're done. It's automatically you're not mom, you're not a therapist, you're not a best friend. Um, but I, I just trust that I will be the eyes, hands, and feet of God when I'm, when I'm sponsoring and try to stay open. So... Um, for the most part, I'm very gentle and um, just give suggestions, my experience, strength, and hope. I do have one gal who is really struggling and has um, has been in program for a while, and I tend to speak to her a little differently, like a like a hardline AA'er, and I'm so surprised to hear myself. We'll go through the book, and I'll say, okay, read that again, and she'll read it, and what did that say, and what's that word? What does that word mean? <laughs> so... Because she wants to just go through it and be done. And um, this, this is not a program I can do that with. You know, this is, there's not an end. It's really about digesting it and taking it in and living it and understanding it and taking action. So um, if I'm struggling... And uh, I, I have to say I have struggled with maintenance. Maintenance has been very, very challenging for me, and it's another reason I decided I need to shake this up a bit. I need a new sponsor. If I'm struggling, what I need is uh, more OA medicine. And more OA medicine means calling the sponsor that's available to me, um, getting to more meetings. I, I'm listening to program tapes a lot. Um, I'm reading the literature a lot. I'm stepping it up. Um, I, I, I think I tend to suffer a little bit from Alzheimer's disease, which is thinking I can rest on what I know. And the truth is, um, the 10-step promises me that I will recoil as if from a hot stove as long as I stay in fit spiritual condition. And what sponsoring does is it helps me to stay in fit spiritual condition. Sponsoring is for me. Again, I only sponsor people I like, and I get to hear the things that work for me. 
despite when I'm talking to them. And I get to talk program to them, and I get to see the things that they're going through, which helps, you know, I can learn from them, and they learn from me. So so sponsoring is, has been really essential for me in staying in fit spiritual condition, and I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> Um, I do know that the fellowship is extremely important to me. The fellowship, um, I actually travel uh, 50 miles on Sundays to go to my home meeting. And the reason I do that is because uh, when I walk in the room, they know me and they smile. And I go to lots of meetings um, in, in three different intergroups. There's the Valley, there's Los Angeles, there's Orange County, and I go to meetings in all of those. And in Orange County is where they smile when I walk in. I'm willing to go 50 miles for those smiles. It's actually more important to me than, than the pitches that I hear because it's a place where I belong. So I'm going to close by um, reading just a few short things. This is in the 12 and 12, the AA 12 and 12. Um, still more wonderful is the feeling that we do not have to be specially distinguished among our fellows in order to be useful and profoundly happy. Not many of us can be leaders of prominence, nor do we wish to be. Service gladly rendered, obligations squarely met, troubles well accepted or solved with God's help. The knowledge that at home or in the world outside, we are partners in a common effort. So there's that word, partners. The well-understood fact that in God's sight, all human beings are important. The proof that love freely given surely brings a full return. And that's what sponsoring is, is love freely given. The certainty that we are no longer isolated and alone in self-constructed prisons. So on my bad days... um, you know, people I call, people that I sponsor, call me, and I'm no longer in a self-constructed prison. The certainty, uh, the surety that we need no longer be square pegs in round holes that can fit and belong in God's scheme of things. That's why this fellowship is so important to me. Um, I have, I've done a lot of service in the program, and I have fellowship all over the globe. I especially have it in California. I especially have it in the country and in some places on the globe from doing service. I have this incredible fellowship. Um, these are permanent and legitimate satisfactions of right living for which no amount of pomp and circumstance, no heap of material possessions could possibly be substitutes. True ambition is not what we thought it was. True ambition is the deep, deep desire to live usefully and walk humbly under the grace of God. And I can't do that if I'm not abstaining, and I can't do that if I'm not reaching out to my fellows. I'm going to finish with something I found yesterday as I was doing all this research. There's one I particularly remembered. It's um, from the story, Join the Tribe. And um, it's written by... Uh, Native American, <laughs> I didn't know people really talked like that except in the movies. It's um, kind of funny, but it's wonderful. This sober Indian say to sick red-eyed alcoholic who wants good medicine, put cork in bottle. No drunk hopeless if you want to follow guide along right trail. So that's the sponsorship, doing all those stupid things she told me to do. And I called my sponsor yesterday and said, I don't want to speak. And she said, read step one and step three and get some more program under your belt because I was away on vacation. So I did. I read step one and step three, and I listened to a speaker on tape. Go to OA meetings. Listen, not just hear noise. So that's what I'm doing when I say, what does that say? Read that again. Get sponsor and phone numbers. Call friend in OA when bad thoughts come. Let group spirit of love and understanding protect you. Take my hand. Walk with me up 12 steps of OA to peace. To Indians, I say, don't be afraid to join OA. I once hear people say Indians crazy drunk when drunk. If so, AA full of Indians. (laughs) Join the tribe. And I love that line, join the tribe, because I've always thought of OA as my tribe. You're my herd. You're my peeps. You're my tribe. 
And I think that he just stated that so beautifully in terms of what sponsorship is. So I'm really glad to be here among my peeps telling my story where I am 23 years later. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we'll now have 10 minutes of questions from the Ask It Basket. The woman who asked me to sponsor her is considerably younger than I am. That is one reason I prefer to be her OA buddy rather than sponsor. Also, am far from perfect and being a sponsor brought out my being better qualities. So this is another reason why I prefer to be an OA buddy and to have an OA buddy. Same person. Okay. That's not really a question. Should we... Okay, I'll, I'll go for a question. That wasn't a question, was it? Okay, thank you. I had to, quote, fire a sponsee, and they took it personal. How do I stop my resentment toward her when she says she is abstinent without a sponsor or working the steps? You want to try that one? Sponsorship is a tool. And um, I know people who have wonderful programs and have been incredibly successful in this program without sponsors. They do have sponsors. They just don't call them sponsors. They find people who have what they want, and they talk to them for a while. Uh, and in my, in my um, reading, as I was preparing for this, I looked up uh, fellowship and sponsorship, and most of it was in the stories of AA, and it was fascinating to read. And what I discovered is whoever 12-steps them, they called their sponsors. They, they would, um, like... Bill and Bob came to tell their story, and so they were their sponsors. Um, so it's really who was helping them along the path is who their sponsors were. So it may or may not be a formal commitment to each other. Just we're all helping each other along this, this road. And in that sense, we're all sponsoring each other. And I think that also speaks to the other non-question about um, being partners or buddies in recovery. I don't think it matters what we call it. You know, as long as this is a we program, as long as we're, we're reaching out our hand and get staying in this boat together. You know, this is a lifeboat. And what has disturbed me in the past is someone falls out of the boat and, and some of us go, oh, she fell out of the boat. Oh, let's get, instead of reaching our hands out and say, come on, come on, get back and get back in the boat. This is a lifeboat. We're, we're all in this together. It's not contagious. I'm, I'm digressing. Can, can you read that once more? It says, um, how do I stop my resentment toward her when she says she's absent without a sponsor or working? Okay. So when I have a resentment, the big book is really clear about this, the problem is in me. And there's some belief that I'm clinging to, that I'm hanging on to, that doesn't serve me, that is keeping me in resentment. And resentment is a poison that kills me, taking poison that kills me <laughs> instead of doing something about them. So then I would just go to um, steps four, five, six, and seven to see what I can do about that resentment. Um, I also want to say about this <clears throat> that one of the things I think is really important is that we do not take this stuff personally. Um, I had sponsored someone for a long time who, when her sponsor-sponsee relationships ended, you could hear the words that she left me or something like that. And so I have to remember that I, my job is to be available to be there. What happens with the other person, it's still their program, it's still their path. It's basically none of my business unless somebody comes to me for help. And, and that's it. And 
I the other comment that we had um, when they talked about the person being younger, um, I kind of like that because one of the nicer things about being older is feeling that you have experience to share with people and that you're mentoring people. Um, that's one of the things I liked about the last job I had, which I didn't like the job. The best part about the job was mentoring the other people. And, you know, how it talks in the problem, we'll see how our experience could benefit others. So I like that part of it. How have you been able to handle turning down a request to sponsor when you are full, when you have all the sponsees you can handle, um, I find it hard to say no. You know, that's a hard one. But I also want to say that um, a lot of it is about setting limits and not having, again, taking it personally, not having a heightened sense of responsibility. We're there to help. We're there to carry the message, but we're not there to carry the person. And we're not responsible for other people's recovery. And I think sometimes we get, um, like I said, a heightened sense of responsibility. Um, I think that's all I have to say about that. There was something else. I forget what it was, but okay. Did you want to say anything about that? Okay. <clears throat> For either speaker, what do you say when you're sponsoring someone and the relationship doesn't seem to be serving one or both of you? Okay. What you say, what I would say is, this isn't working. It really isn't working. Oh, I know what else I wanted to say. When Susan talked about only sponsoring people that she likes, I heard someone else put it this way, and I really loved it. Because I have had people come to me and say, what do I do? Um, she said that everyone has a saga, a continuing theme, a story in our lives, and that we all deserve to be sponsored by someone who can stand our saga. So it's not going to help me if somebody just hates people who are 62 um, to be sponsored by someone like that at all. I would like, you know, so we all deserve that. We're not doing anybody any favor, I don't think, when we take on people who make us clench our teeth. And fortunately, that rarely happens. Did you want to say anything about this one? Oops. Um, we could just pick another one out. And I'll, um, oh, when the relationship doesn't seem to be serving one or both of you. Because everybody deserves somebody that could work with them. And Susan talked about that, too, as far as if, if I don't have kids and somebody is having their main problem is having problem with their children, they should be talking to somebody with children. So I'll usually say, you know, what I think would work better for you or this isn't working for me because. Okay, did you want to add anything? My sponsor suggested I start sponsoring, but no one has asked. Should I offer or? Well, I could say a lot about that, but I've been talking a lot, so I'll turn it to Susan. Do you? Yeah. Well, at my meetings, they usually ask who's available to sponsor, and people raise their hands, or they stand up and they introduce themselves, and usually people need sponsors, so... Um, that's I find the question a little bit unusual. I um, I tend not to say that I'm available, and people ask me anyway. Um, and I guess the question is, if I see that someone needs a sponsor, should I offer myself? I guess if I liked them, I would. And if I didn't, why would I do that to myself? Um, but we should definitely be sponsored. You know, 
in the big book, in the, they sponsored when they had one day of sobriety. And we have a tendency to think we have to have it all handled. We have to have it all. You know, I think it's probably a good idea to, to wait until you've done a, a fifth step to do it, but 30 days tops. You know, kind of go help another compulsive overeater who's still struggling. Um, yeah, that's it. The other thing that you can do is um, offer to have somebody call you until they find the sponsor they want. And that way you'll be working with others. And you can call newcomers uh, from the phone list, too. How do you deal with a sponsee who is affecting your program? I have to say I could not answer this because I do not know uh, without specifics. Um, but I do think that we need, if something's interfering with our program, we need to take care of whatever that is and take care of ourselves. And we, we tend to become uh, codependent, and Susan brought up a lot of things for me, too, because I remember one sponsor that I had many, many years ago for about uh, a year and a half that was like a mother to me. And sometimes I felt like I would eat just to go crawling back to her once I tried to break up. Uh, and it was it had served its purpose. The relationship had served its purpose, and it was time for me to be moving on. But I didn't really answer that. Um, this has happened a lot because a lot of times I don't know if something's uh, going on with me until I want to eat. And then I have to say, whoa, what's going on? And sometimes it's the sponsor-sponsee relationship. And, again, that's where I have to set limits and boundaries. And that's, again, why sponsoring is important because it gives me practice to do that, to go out into the real world and do that. You know, I learned how to do relationships through sponsoring. And um, intimacy is created by exchanging realities and by setting limits and by setting boundaries. So if, if something is affecting my program, then I need to figure out what it is that's affecting my program and what do I need to do to take care of it and to handle it. It might be I need to say, you know what, I'm, I, I have been thinking about how I need to sponsor and I need to sponsor for 15 minutes a day. I can't, it might be that. It might be, um, you know what, I'm, I'm not interested in, I'm not comfortable hearing um, about your religion. So uh, I'll need you to speak in more neutral terms. Or, or something like that, and, and always keep it on me. This is this is what I know about me, and this is what I need. Um, and, and sometimes it means they're going to go away, and that's good for them too. You know, they get to fight. It's a it's a process of negotiation. It's finding out who who you are and and what's going to work for you and what's going to work for them. And if if they can't afford my generosity because I'm resentful, they need they need to find the person who can take their saga. I think we have time. If there's one more question in here. Why, oh, that looks perfect. We like perfection. <laughs> what do you talk about when you call your sponsor and how often do you call? Um, well, I talked about how often I call. I call her every weekday and sometimes in between when I need to. Um, sometimes I talk about, I need to talk about, besides my checking in with my food and being honest, um, I always need to talk to someone when I uh, have relationship issues that do not belong in the container of my relationship with my husband in particular or possibly with my daughter that I need to sort it out with someone else before I talk to that other person about it. That seems to be a big one for me with my friends and sponsors. 
Well, originally my sponsor had me call her every day for 30 days and talk to her for 15 minutes. And I could use that 15 minutes however I wanted to use it. Um, for 23 years, I've been accountable for my food. I have Somebody has known what's gone into this body for 23 years. Um, that's the, that's number one. And email has certainly helped with that. I mean, it used to be postcards and long-distance phone calls and, and you name it. So, um, And uh, my new sponsor, we're going through the literature again, and actually we're using the OA literature because I know the AA literature really well. And I know the OA literature pretty well, too, but not quite as well. So we're just um, doing a couple pages at a time and talking about that. And then whatever else I need to talk about. Um, someone I sponsored, I just love how she does it. She has, she, when she calls me, she knows what she needs to talk about. So say, the other thing I needed to talk to you about was, and the other thing I needed to talk to you about was, and I also don't, I just sit on, I just, I allow for silence. I don't feel like I need to keep the conversation going. If they have something to talk to me about, then they can talk to me about it, and then we're going to hang up <laughs> when we're done with that. So, um, if, if there's something that's eating me, that's what I need to talk to my sponsor about. And also, of course, any writing that I do to have a loving witness to my writing. Now is the time for open sharing. We will have time for three shares. If you have already shared at another workshop, please give others a chance before you come forward. Limit your share to three minutes. Stay on topic. And sign the tape release form after you share. Who would like to start? Hi, everybody. My name is Vicki. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, And I'm here with my sponsor, and I thought I might get the elbow, so I decided to come up here before I got elbowed. Um, thank you both so much. I just so much came out um, from your, your shares, and, and I knew I knew you from somewhere. It must be from Orange County. Um, let's see. I've been in program a little over eight years, and in those eight years, I've had um, generally two sponsors. I had a sponsor in the very, very beginning, but only for about six weeks, and and then I got with another sponsor that somebody else recommended. And um, in the very beginning of when I would start to share about the sponsor, it's very difficult because we're kind of a small uh, group in Orange County. You know, there's not meetings in hundreds of different places. And I was very uncomfortable once the uh, sponsorship started going south, I'll say. Um, it was hard to talk about in meetings because either she was there or somebody that she knew was there or somebody that she sponsored was there. So... It was really very difficult, and somebody up here, I think, said something about you don't know when something's gone wrong, for example, until you stop eating. And um, the sponsorship was um, was exactly what I needed in some ways, and in other ways, the worst possible experience I've ever had. And um, it, and I think it's only because I talked to a lot of other people, and I was in therapy at the time, and I talked to my therapist a lot, and... Um, because I didn't go to a lot of different meetings, um, I and she had been in OA for so long and had sponsored so many people that to have had a different experience than other people in the room, to me, didn't seem like a safe thing. And, um, you know, I just I so appreciate hearing the talk about the mommies and the, you know, and the whoever else, you know, we had in our lives that maybe didn't... Um, measure up that we would, you know, use our sponsors for. And I certainly did that, and it took me a long time to realize that I did that. You know, I wanted somebody who was about my age, you know, kids the same age, you know, same. And I didn't make a plan for it. It's just that's what presented itself. You know, we were the same religion, and we knew a lot of the same people, even outside of OA. And, 
You know, I, I, I do think that sometimes a sponsor, and, and maybe I've done this myself, can stick their nose into an area of your life where they really don't belong. And that's what happened to me. And um, in this small community that I live in, as luck would have it, my um, sponsor and my therapist knew each other before I came into the picture. And if there was ever a recipe for disaster, that's it. And, you know, years later, I would find out that my, ther my therapist absolutely detested this person, but wouldn't tell me so I could find my own path, right? Well, that cost me like thousands of dollars while I was finding my own path. Um, but one of the things that, uh, that she said about my therapist was, you need to change therapists. And I, to, to me, this is my opinion, it's not an OA thing, it's a, it's a Vicky thing. She crossed the line, you know, and, and I remember when, you know, when it first, when she first was that um, clear about it or, you know, that straightforward about it, I said, well, you know, what is it in my life that you don't think is working? I'm abstinent. I've lost, you know, whatever it was, 83 pounds, I think, at the time. My marriage is in good shape. I have a good relationship with my daughter. Um, I have my own business. I get along with my partner. I go to OA meetings. You know, if there's something in particular that is not working in my life and you think it's related to who, who my therapist is, let's have it. And there was never anything concrete that, that came from that. And, you know, I guess God had a plan for me that he thought was better than my own because as I look back on it now, I wish that relationship had ended sooner than it did. But um, one of the things I found out was I put my abstinence and everything, I guess abstinence is kind of the broad word for it, I put everything into that one person. And I thought, if that person's not sponsoring me, I'm going to lose my abstinence. I'm going to start eating. I'm going to stop going to meetings and, and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? If, if I could share one thing with if anybody who sponsors or who's been sponsored, um, one thing that happened after I got the email, you know, that said not to call her anymore, um, she stopped not only speaking to me at meetings, she stopped acknowledging me. And if there were 50 people in the room, she would say hello to 48 of those people and not me. And, you know... I could not handle that, and I and I used to leave meetings in tears, and sometimes I'd you know be pulling into a meeting, and I'd see her her vehicle in the parking lot, and just on instinct I would turn around and I would leave that meeting, and not even walk in the door, and then I knew something was really wrong, and um, you know I'm happy to say that there was maybe only a week or ten days in between the time I got I left one sponsor and got another, and. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's really only because of my, my current sponsor and my therapist and my willingness to, to get better that I stayed in this program because that's a recipe that would have sent me out the door, you know, screaming and, you know, I hate you all. And I just would have made OA, you know, my experience with that one person would have become my OA experience, you know. And I might not be alive, you know, because I would have gone back to eating because that was the only way I knew how to cope. Even in therapy, I would have still kept eating. And I'm just very grateful, and I thank you so much for your, your shares. I think we're probably only going to have time for one more. Who would like to share? Hi, I'm Kathy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, and I'm, I'm of the absolute kind. I know it deep down in my heart, I know it with every fiber of my being that um, you just give me, you, you give me a good reason and I lose contact with OA, I'd be face down in the food. There's no way. 
I just went to Israel in December. Um, six months before when I signed up, I said, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so scared. And they said, oh, yeah, all the bombings. I said, heck with the bombings. They're going to tell me what to eat, when to eat, and where to eat. You know, the bombs don't bother me. Um, so I'm way down there. When I first started sponsoring, um, my biggest fear was that I know what's good for you. Um, and I was trying so desperately to get out of controlling everybody's lives. I couldn't control mine, and I finally admitted that. And then it was a little harder to admit that I couldn't control everybody else's life. So one of the things when I first started to sponsor, uh, I, I was just praying one day, and, and I just got the thought, and I know those are from God, that, you know, just make sure that when you're giving advice, or suggestions that you're following it. Ooh. Okay, so, you know, I'm going along, and it kept me really honest. It kept me really honest with where my program was. And sometimes I'd have to, after I hung up, I'd have to say, am I really doing that? <laughs> you know, following, following directions. And I learned to, I learned the power of suggestion. And the power of suggestion is, if you want to know how to work a program, I usually have how I work the program, how I know other people work the program, and then I tell people, try a couple of ways and then find your way. Uh, because I was very much into, I needed to find my path. Um, and I had a sponsor who, my first sponsor did a lot of that. Um, and to get people, to get people thinking about abstinence in the first place, um, I just, I just said, well, what I did was I just closed my eyes and said, if I eat this, can I stop eating? And I still do that in certain situations. Um, I did that all the time over in Israel. Ooh, there was all kinds of neat food over there. Um, and, you know, some of it I knew. Some of it I knew. And others of it, I was like, well, I don't know. So, um, and today I feel confident that I can, I have the strength spiritually to keep, to because I keep that spiritual connection open, to know those kind of things. But I give suggestions. Um, I learned how by asking my sponsor how to sponsor other people. And I call up and I say, oh, did I do it? And it's not that we do it wrong. It's that we learn and we grow into it. And I'm not the same sponsor I was when I started 15 years ago. I, I'm, and that's okay because I shouldn't, I don't think I should be. Um, and I have different parameters. And I too am learning how to define myself by my parameters. And sometimes relationships work really well. And I've had some awesome uh, people grow into my friends and peers from being sponsees, and others of them didn't work. And you have to let that go. You're, this is not one size fits all. Um, I, I can't be everything you need, and I never can. Um, and I tell my sponsees that, and I not I will try to be available to you, but I'm not always. Have a God Squad. I promote the God Squad very much. Have your buddy, and your buddy who's new in LA can be your God Squad too, because just make it's for us. At least my experience. And most people I know is if you're the one making the call, you're reaching for that recovery. And there have been times in my life when I called five people and I got five answering machines and I talked to all the answering machines. And by the time I was through, I was like, okay, but I don't feel like I need to eat. Um, this is a good thing. And it's not contingent upon people calling me back necessarily. It's really neat when they do. It's very affirming. But it's what I do. And I tell my sponsees, it's what you do. 
it's not what I'm telling you, you know, it's not what I'm doing in my program so you can, and modeling is great, but it's what you do and choose to do in your program, how you choose to work it, how hard you choose to work it. And I ask, I ask my sponsees, how hard do you want to do this? <laughs> how much work do you want to put in? Well, I don't know. Well, well, I don't know. I really don't sponsor very well. Because I want someone who is at least trying. Even if they don't know what to do, that's different than, well, yeah. And I actually do some questioning and answering before I commit to sponsoring people. And I do love my sponsees. Um, and um, I have found that doing things with them, we have a, a couple coming here today that we go in groups. And I tend to call up my sponsee and say, wouldn't you just love to do, go to the convention? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I say, well, if you really do, come on along. So anyway, yeah. thank you. It is now time to close the workshop. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by, shall we say, the third step prayer.